What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Another Friday, another episode of Why Are We Bullish? Uh, very excited to have this panel this week. Uh, all first timers on the show. So uh, you get to meet a whole bunch of new people today. Um, and I'm and uh, they're, they're working on awesome things. So I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about. Um, I hope you have all been having an excellent week. It's been an interesting and exciting one. Lots of stuff going on. Um, but nonetheless, we're going to get this thing rolling. Of course, this is live, so anything can happen. And I defer to my friend, Bill, here. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. If you have not already, of course, please do like, subscribe, share. All those things, they help a ton getting this in front of more eyeballs little like button just below the screen. Make sure you give that a, a, a smash. Share it on whatever socials that you are on and help me on my quest to 100,000 subscribers. Uh, I'm I'm on my way there. We got some, some ways to go, but uh, if you want to do that and help me out, then hit that subscribe button as well. I am Ben with the BTC Sessions. This is your daily session. Bitcoin. Before we bring in our panel, let's take a quick look at where we are in the market today. This is timechaincalendar.com. We're currently sitting at uh, $37,679 per coin. A single US dollar will pick you up 2,654 sats. In terms of fees, lower than we've seen them in a while. So maybe you open some lightning channels, get stuff to wherever you need to get it, uh, consolidate UTXOs, but 37 sats per byte next block. Anytime is 22 sats. Mempool still purging anything below 10 sats per byte or so. Uh, and in terms of Bitcoin mine, 19.55 million of them. That's 93.11% of the entire supply. Shout out to sponsors of the show, hodlhodl.com. If you're stacking sats and you have priorities in mind that include peer-to-peer -peer trading, instant self-custody, and no KYC, it's a great place to be. You can sign up with an email address. Once you're in, choose a currency, a payment method, and an amount. You can start viewing offers immediately. They also have peer-to-peer -peer lending in which nothing is ever rehypothecated. Check them out today, hodlhodl.com. Links are down below. And I should have mentioned before I got into this that I am bringing up the live chat on the right side of the screen. Uh, from here on in in the show, all of your messages will be live for the world to see, for better or worse. Uh, moving on, though, uh, of course, CoinKite. You're going to want to secure your Bitcoin with some of the best hardware on the market. I do love, of course, the Cold Card Mark IV is my go-to. Uh, and then I've got all their other goodies too, tap signers, cold cards, block clocks, sats cards. Uh, I, I pre-ordered the hell out of the Cold Card Q as well. So I'm very excited for that. Uh, if you want to pre-order that or pick up anything else, uh, they have their Black Friday sale going on right now, up to 25% off, a ton of stuff. Uh, use code BTC Sessions as well for an additional... I don't know how many percent off on top of that. Uh, but uh, yeah, you can use that. Links are down below. Um, moving on, backups are important. You want to get it in steel. You want to make sure that your seed phrases are protected from the elements, fire, water, corrosion, all that. Seed ore is awesome. Uh, they've got a disc and capsule design, uh, full sets so that you can back up one or two seed phrases. You can adore, uh, order additional capsules if you need. But anyways, links are all down below. I've done a full video on them as well. Um, 
We also, of course, know of Nunchuck. Love these guys and what they're working on in the world of multi-sig. Their assisted multi-sig is badass. You can set that up with tap signers and cold cards and all your hardware options. Uh, and it's got baked in inheritance planning and the whole thing is no KYC. It's awesome. So check them out as well. And finally, Start9. These guys are killing it with their plug and play node solutions and not just Bitcoin nodes, but also, of course, uh, your private data. So you can run Bitcoin Core, you can run Lightning nodes, all that. You can run files, passwords, photos, Nostra relays and clients, and even AI stuff now as well. They've got entry level stuff all the way up to what I'm running, which is the Start9 server pure. Uh, so go check them out, start9.com. I do have a code, by the way, BTC Sessions with a plus sign, and uh, that will give you 18% off the server pure, I believe. So go check them out. Anyways, guys, enough of my rambling. i got to get my uh, panel in here. So I'm going to uh, welcome to the stage, everybody. Uh, I'm welcoming uh, Julian. I'm uh, welcoming Martel and, of course, Smeet. Good to see all of you. Thank you guys for taking your time on a Friday evening to join me. I appreciate you all. So... Um, just to just to start off, for anybody unfamiliar, uh, can we do a quick round of intros? Um, I guess I'll toss it to Julian first, and I'll ask you, who are you, and what do you do? <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Uh, so I am Julian. I'm one of the co-founders of Apollo, and we are building the place to help people learn about and trust and discover and compare uh, Bitcoin products. Um, so we want everybody to find out what just the best Bitcoin products are to use and why. Um, and we do that by providing a platform for people to review them. Basically, Bitcoiners come to Apollo, uh, they review cold card or cash app or anything, um, let people know what they love about them and earn sats doing it too. So that's what we do. Nice. So you heard it here. Uh, if you want some additional sats, Go check out Apollo and uh, start reviewing, hey? <laughs> awesome. Absolutely. All right, Smeet, uh, welcome. I, I got to meet you in uh, in LA just recently at Pacific, uh, which is really cool. Um, good to see you again, even though it's virtually. Uh, could you give yourself a little intro and let people know who you are, what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks for having me, Ben. Um, I'm Smeet, one of the co-founders of Thea. Uh, we basically, you know, simplify self-custody and Bitcoin multisig experience. Um, this is, you know, obviously meant for folks who are interested in taking self-custody, but have sometimes, you know, hard time figuring out what the right solutioning is for them. Um, so what we have built is like a very modular uh, multisig, you know, application that users can either use your mobile phones or, you know, so sort of Trezor wallets, you know, Ledger wallets, other Bitcoin wallets um, as, as one of their keys. Um, so, yeah, we do like simplified two of three multi-sig worlds uh, similar to your your other sponsor, Nunchuck. Great company, great team. Uh, yeah. Love what the guy, you know, what they are doing. And yeah, uh, you know, it's basically uh, taking multi-sig more mainstream, uh, taking multi-sig to, you know, folks who are not here on Bitcoin and mm -hmm. excited about that. That's awesome. And I'm so, again, I'm so glad to see... Um, the, the multi-sig space mature and have so many great options out there. I think it's it's uh, it does a service to everybody that's trying to um, find the best way to kind of secure their stack and not have single points of failure. So, um, you know, thanks for what you guys are working on. That's super awesome. Um, 
Well, let's uh, let's go over to Martel as well. Good to see you again uh, virtually. But uh, uh, Martel, can you give yourself an intro for anybody that may be unfamiliar? Yeah, and thanks so much for having us, Ben. So my name is Martel Fox. I'm the founder of Layer Four Talent, a recruitment firm focused on technical and executive recruitment in the Bitcoin and Lightning space. I've built my career in building startups as a technical recruiter, head of talent, chief people officer, and most recently as the COO at Ibex, a lightning infrastructure startup. And today I'm dedicated to taking all those learnings and helping the very best companies hire the very best talent in the space. Awesome. I, I love to hear it. And, uh, and I mean, that's bullish just for the, the Bitcoiners in the space that want to get, want to get working for some of these good companies. So, uh, maybe reach out to Martel. Definitely. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, let's uh, let's dive in. Um, we're going to get this thing rolling. Okay. So anybody that's tuning in that may be unfamiliar, this show is Why Are We Bullish? Very simple premise to the show. Each one of us comes with a reason why we are bullish on Bitcoin at the moment. And that reason can take many forms. It could be a personal experience. It could be uh, a news item. It could be uh, a, a book or a video that we saw, or it could be um, an app that we're using or, or some sort of technical development it could really be anything. And so the flow of the show is going to be number one, somebody's going to drop their reason why they are bullish. This is their chance to rant and get everything off their chest. Number two, altogether, we're going to riff on that reason, comments, questions, rabbit holes, whatever we end up talking about, all good. And then finally, number three, we're going to rotate until we get each of us to have a chance letting each other know why we are bullish. So reason, riff, rotate, pretty simple. I'm going to get us started off today. And um, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of lay it out there pretty quick, but I've got, I want to do a little example of why I'm, I'm bullish as well. Uh, so I'm going to do a bit of show and tell. Um, the reason why I'm bullish is because we, we've had a, a high fee environment this last little bit. And so that's made a lot of people kind of evaluate how efficiently they are using Bitcoin on chain. You know, we all, uh, Lightning is becoming ubiquitous. A lot of people are using Lightning, but also it's important to note that, um, you know, the, the, the custodial options are easy and quick, but of course you're giving up uh, custody. So there's trade-offs there. And on top of that, we just saw the wallet of Satoshi get pulled off the app store in uh, in the US. So there's less options in that realm. So that kind of phases us with the reality of like, okay, well, if you want to use Lightning, you have to, you know, there's lots of options on mobile that is self-custody, but you also need to think a bit more about, well, how am I using this? And you need to have a little bit of idea about liquidity and there's there's learning to be had and there's optimizations to be had. However, I've been putting together a video this week, which um, I didn't end up finishing the tutorial this week, but it'll probably be going out on Monday. And um, I've been experimenting around with how how can your average pleb that's just stacking away little bits of Bitcoin here and there um, that's trying to dollar cost average still do that in a way that is we'll say, as self-sovereign as possible without getting raked over the coals when they're dealing with on-chain fees. And, you know, the, the initial thought would be, well, you withdraw to lightning. But if you're doing that 
in a self-custody custodied way as you would like to, you're likely also still going to be incurring on-chain fees, getting multiple channels or splicing into channels. There's all these technical things that your average user is not going to fully maybe grasp or does grasp, but doesn't know how to get around it. And so the video that I've made actually integrates three things. Um, number one, an exchange that doesn't suck. An exchange that is at least being efficient in batching transactions and hopefully covering the on-chain fee because they're sending out to many, many customers all at the same time. So that's component number one. Component number two is one that I think is hideously underused and has a decent trade-off for the midterm or for the, the, the medium amount of stacking. And that's the liquid network. And the reason I say that is because you can you can peg into the liquid network directly from an exchange. So even if your exchange only does on-chain withdrawals, you can basically send to a wallet called Sideswap. It'll peg directly into liquid. You're now on liquid Bitcoin, which fees to send around are like, a, you know, a couple pennies every time you do it. And once you're in liquid, you can actually more or less instantaneously swap between liquid and lightning. And so this gives you two things. Number one, it allows you to, to stack in a way that doesn't incur um, on-chain fees uh, or doesn't incur, a, you know, maybe singular um, if you're swapping out to your cold storage after letting it build. Um, but it allows you to be, you know, moving around and it allows you to secure liquid with hardware, which you cannot do on Lightning. And then secondly, you can easily swap into Lightning into a self-custodied wallet in an efficient way that gives you a huge channel because you'd build up a, a, a liquid balance. You could send that whole balance over to a Lightning wallet and then swap back to liquid because the fees are negligible. And then have this huge inbound channel to your own Lightning wallet on your phone. So this is what my whole tutorial is going to be. But I just, my show and tell thing that I want to do here is I just want to show the speed with which you can swap from Lightning to Liquid um, using something called Bolts. And I've got, uh, I'll have two things up here, but I'm just going to show my screen for a second. So uh, I've got, I've got, two windows here. One is just on the web. It's uh, bolts.exchange. And the other window is Blockstream Green. And uh, this has uh, uh, both on-chain Bitcoin and then Liquid. Okay, so I'm going to just open up a, uh, a, a Liquid wallet here. Okay. And I'm just, just like a regular Bitcoin uh, transaction, I'm going to hit receive and I'm going to copy this address. I'm going to hop over to Bolts. And I'm going to say, and you can swap these, you can go lightning to liquid or vice versa, back and forth. But I want to switch some money out of my Phoenix wallet, which is a self-custody lightning wallet on my phone, to liquid. So I'm just going to paste in this address. I'm going to say, and just to show an example, you don't need to have a lot of money on this. Um, let's do 5,000 sats. You know, there's, there's a base fee of around 428 sats. That's not much. But just to show you can do these tiny amounts but for this actual example you know maybe i'll do uh 50 000 sats something like that okay so 
My fee is going to be 428 sats, which is the network fee on Liquid, which is compared to the 20,000 sat fees we've been seeing on main chain. That's kind of nice. Um, and then the bolts fee for the swap is is a quarter of a percent, which ends up being 125 sats in this instance. So what I'm going to do here is I've got my uh, I've got my Phoenix wallet up on my phone and it's just ready to go. Um, I'm going to hit create atomic swap. This brings up a lightning invoice. I just scanned it. I just hit pay. Um, that swap is done. So now if I jump back over in a second, we should see an incoming transaction on to liquid, which I can secure with hardware. There it is right there. So I just swapped from lightning to liquid instantaneously. This can now be secured with, with hardware and I can actually have it in cold storage, albeit on the liquid network, which has trade-offs and everything, but the, the seamless transactions back and forth, it's just so quick. It's so easy and somebody could stack with liquid um, pegging in and out of it and moving into lightning if they want day-to-day -day spending. And then when it builds up enough and they're like, hey, it makes economic sense to do an on-chain transaction, you can peg out a liquid directly into your cold storage, into your cold card, whatever you're using. And then you can keep that for the long term. So I think people are going to get a lot more inventive uh, with with how they efficiently use Bitcoin and how they think about being as self-sovereign as possible, but also utilizing the tools that we have available to us. So, so this is where I'm at with my, uh, with my excitement in and around Liquid and the various tools that we have. I'm going to open it up to you guys. And I'm, I'm just kind of curious. I, I guess you can comment in, in any capacity in and around the, the fee environment that we've been seeing, but also like the tools that are available to us. Um, I don't know. Do any of you have thoughts in and around this? I must say. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's, I, I think it's um, what's challenging, but also exciting about the current environment, not just fees, but also what we're seeing, maybe the pressures that are being put on other custodial solutions is that um, it's a, kind of a forcing function to find new solutions like this, yeah. right? Um, and that's, that's, what's really cool. I think liquid has liquid's been around for a while. Right. And, and as much as it like works great, one of the things people always say about it is like, well, what's the use yeah. case? Um, but, but now this seems really cool. Like this is a clear use case. And I think self-custodial lightning has a ways to go, mm -hmm. but how do we improve the UX? Like, how do we get people learning more about it? It's, um, maybe some having some push factors like this that force people to kind of innovate and, and use it and figure out how to do it is like, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, people, I mean, I love, I love Phoenix. Mm -hmm. The Phoenix is great. Maybe one of, if not the best self-custodial lightning wallet, mm -hmm. but e even for me and other people that use it too, like it's, it's a bit of a learning curve. And for people who aren't super familiar with it, it's like, great, I'm going to use this lightning wallet and everything's going to be cheap and free. And then they start to do it and like, wait a minute, 20,000 sats fee like for this transaction, where is that coming yeah. from? So um, the more people have a great reason to try out some of these solutions, I think um, the more that they will. And uh, yeah, it seems like, seems like a great step. Yeah, absolutely. Smeet, I, I, you had something to say too. I'm curious. Yeah, no, I think it is a pretty neat um, 
video that you did there, I think I, you know, basically the first time I've seen a liquid network being actually used for like a solid sort of, you know, legit application. <laughs> um, I, I had no idea you could do that. So thank, thanks for like, you know, I, I actually learned something new today. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it is cool. I, again, like I, I think, um, I, I don't know exactly why it hasn't fully been, uh, you know, why people haven't, maybe there just hasn't been a need up until now, but now it's kind of becoming clear that, you know, Julian, like you said, self-custodial lightning, there's a lot of misconceptions about it. And there's, you know, even just like interface wise, there's still a ways to go to make it accessible and understood. Um, Whereas I think Liquid, it's it's a very familiar experience as to on-chain Bitcoin. And so that's, I guess, why it surprises me that more people haven't used it uh, up to this point. But yeah, nonetheless, um, Martel, I'm curious to get your thoughts in and around. Yeah, it. well, I was curious. Um, you mentioned there's some trade-offs with Liquid. I'm not that familiar with Liquid yeah. myself. Could you share some of those? Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess, I mean, we're all familiar that you know, you've got these two extremes that are kind of the best of the best and the worst of the worst in terms of what you can do um, with, uh, I, I guess, self-sovereignty and and self-custody. And the, the worst of the worst is sit it on an exchange and, and never take it off, right? And the best of the best is on-chain, you know, self-custody, ideally secured with hardware. Um, Liquid sits in this this middle ground where it's not as good as full self custody, but it's also nowhere near as bad as sitting in on the exchange. And the reason for that is, it is a what's known as a federated multisig. So you've got fifteen companies around the world geographically dispersed that hold an eleven of fifteen multisig wallet. And this federation, when Bitcoin goes into it. Liquid Bitcoin is created one for one. In order to rug pull that peg, 11 of the 15 entities would have to simultaneously collude and then destroy the peg and also their reputations. <laughs> but it's not impossible, but it's also astronomically less likely than a single exchange going down, rug pulling you or getting hacked. And so the, the, trade-off is that federated multi-sig model um the benefit is the fees are are negligible uh the block times are one minute so a, a single minute you get a confirmation after two minutes the transaction is irreversible and also the the transactions are shielded meaning that um if somebody looks on chain you actually cannot see the amount transacted um, so it's it's not completely transparent for uh, the average user to see even what what you're doing. Um, you can also have you can have stable coins and stuff issued on liquid so you can utilize different assets and because it's shielded, you actually can't tell which asset is being transacted. And then finally, of course, because the infrastructure is the more or less the same as bitcoin as well in terms of how the chain works that's why you can secure it with hardware so you can have liquid bitcoin and secure it with i've got a blockstream jade here and i use blockstream green for that so that's kind of again with the trade-off with the federated multi-sig you get those benefits and so i i wouldn't sit in liquid forever but for me as like a, a medium term 
I'm going to let it build up and then I'll do an on-chain transaction to get the best of the best with my hardware on-chain. I'm okay with that. I think that's totally fine, but it's to each their own. And some people may be purists and may not want to do that, but that's where I'm at. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to this tutorial so I can learn more about it. To be totally honest, I'm really hopeful that next year with this next bull market, we see a company come out that, you know, you can kind of have a one-stop shop where you're not mm -hmm. having to move. You can buy store very safely. Um, hopefully, you know, the founder of that company is in this uh, call with us right now, Thea. I'm starting to use them as my multi-sig solution. And yeah, I, I'm just bullish on companies building better products so we can avoid doing a lot of these more complex things in my mind, but can't wait yeah. for the tutorial. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, you're so right. I'm, my hope is that I could just have a singular wallet that maybe has these things all in the background, but asks a few simple questions upon booting up the wallet for the first time. Hey, what are your priorities? Do you want, um, are, are you slowly stacking towards uh, long-term savings? Do you need some day-to-day -day spending cash? In what percentages do you care about those things? And then it just, every time you receive Bitcoin, it kind of intuitively knows how to allocate and, and how the wallet should act just based on your preferences. And you don't know explicitly what networks and what you're doing in the background, but you know you have Bitcoin and you know you can use it as you see fit and and maybe just have little tweaks here and there if your habits change. I think I think that would be the ideal for everybody, right? Yeah. yeah. I think that's I think that's got to be where we're going, right? I mean, abstracting away all of the protocol stuff and complexity mm -hmm. from end users is I just think that it's the natural trajectory of how we get mainstream adoption, yeah. right? Um People don't, people don't like send an email and also understand that it's like SMTP protocols and stuff behind the yeah. scenes. Right. So, so we'll get yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. We just need, we just need the, the iPad with the easy app and swipe to, uh, send and, <laughs> right. and the email goes off and grandma's happy. That's, that's where we need to be. I think probably it's coming. That's, that's coming. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And I see it every day and. I think the, the, again, the takeaway for me is like, I, you know, I, I, I described a number of things where I have to think about how to efficiently do this. And I think I've, I, I've figured out a way where, you know, you can hop through these hoops and, and experience very little on-chain fees, but, um, and I see people navigating it and, and learning the tools with what's available and actually doing pretty well. But I think the combination of it being, uh, simplified, and then it becoming um, normalized worldwide. The combination of those two things, people are, are much more capable of learning than they assume. Um, it's just, if it's unfamiliar, it's unfamiliar. And that's that's how it is. So we're, I, I think we're going to make some leaps and strides in the coming years. So what I would like to do now, um, I'm going to put a bow on my my topic, but uh, I'll, I'll just say to the audience, if you, if you haven't played with Liquid yet, play around and you can do it really easy. Download uh, Blockstream Green, wallet setup is the exact same. And then go to bolts, uh, uh, go to bolts.exchange. And if you got a lightning wallet, you can swap to liquid very easily and just 
you know, send over five bucks and just see how it works. Uh, it's kind of cool. And it's, it's very familiar if you're used to on-chain Bitcoin transactions. Um, yeah. yeah. So with that, I'm going to do a rotation. Uh, and uh, actually, I'm going to go to, uh, I'm going I'm to do a little loop on my, my screen based on who I'm seeing. Uh, I'm going to go down to Martel first. And uh, I'm just going to queue you up with the same question everybody will get, but uh, why are you bullish? So I'm very bullish, uh, especially lately, and I'm most bullish about the talent coming into this space. So being in my profession, I get a firsthand look of the types of roles companies are hiring and the type of people who are interested in them. Uh, I've also been spending more and more time in San Francisco, used to live there or have lived there on and off uh, throughout my life. And yeah, I'm, I've been going to these AI meetups as well. And it's been pretty interesting to see that community. They're on this path to discover Bitcoin. So they're taking more and more interest in decentralization. That's really important to the AI community. And, you know, some have already, you know, landed towards the end of that path and they're discovering how important it is to have decentralized money and that's leading them to Bitcoin. So I'm seeing a lot of creativity in these communities and a lot of great experience. Uh, one thing, you know, when I started my professional career in the Bitcoin space, I was completely blown away by the talent. And, and that is kind of what drew me into the space was wanting to be in these rooms with all these people, you know, talking about things I, that I barely understood at the time. And, you know, today I'm seeing kind of a second wave of really brilliant people getting interested in Bitcoin. Uh, we actually were at an event. I co-hosted an event with Michael Rihani of Cash App a few weeks ago, and we had about 30 people there and we had engineers or people of all types of uh, professions from companies like, PayPal, Cash App, Square, Block, Visa, Coinbase, Lightspark, Thea, Apollo were there as well. Google, and, Amazon. Yeah, Google and Amazon, like everybody in big tech and they're all Bitcoiners and they they keep a low profile, but it was completely fascinating and incredible and inspiring to see that, you know, under the radar, there's a lot of people in, in these big companies that care a whole lot about Bitcoin and they're accomplishing a lot internally. And it's just making me very bullish. And we're talking a lot about institutions coming into the space, but big tech's coming in, uh, founders are coming in. A lot of people are starting their own company in the bear market. And I think we're going to see a whole new wave of talent, a whole new wave of incredible products in the next bull market. So I'm very bullish on that. That's awesome. I love that you brought up... Um... AI as well. Uh, there was there was an interesting thing. Um, just speaking of of cool companies and and products that are up and coming. Um, in that front, uh, I went to a, a BTC Prague earlier this year, and um, and uh, their official conference app was actually uh, from Fetty. And so it, you know the Fediments are something that that people have been discussing a lot and kind of cool, um, interesting way of having privacy and, uh, and, uh, integration with lightning and all these different cool apps that you can bake into it. Um, but the, the app itself actually had an integrated AI agent. And so you could actually do AI requests from the official conference app and you could 
pay it with with the Fetty app, like with uh, it's called Show Me and eCash. But nonetheless, it's like you basically had a wallet that was entirely private amongst the cohort of people at the conference and you could send people sats blah blah blah. you could withdraw via lightning but then you could also natively um pay for computation of this ai app so you could say oh i'd like you to do a a, a, some sort of a computation for me i want you to um you know i'd like some feedback on my thoughts here or whatever and you would pay like a sat for it to compute for you or something like that um so there's a lot of interesting amazing uh, kind of realms that that Bitcoin and the these tangential uh, technologies are diving into, and I'm I'm very excited to see how they all come together. And I'm sure you other gentlemen will have uh, things to tack onto this. So I'll, I'll let you guys take it if if you want to comment as well. Yeah, I I think like for me, um, you know, going back to the the event that Rihani and Fox organized, I think that was really amazing because. Um, after a very long time, I felt that there are these sort of real Bitcoiners at, you know, big tech companies that we don't know of. They might not be very loud. They might not be on Twitter. Uh, but there are a bunch of people um, out there who understand Bitcoin, who care for Bitcoin and want Bitcoin to succeed. And I think we had we saw all sorts of people, but obviously the representation was like stronger from like the likes of PayPal, Cash App, Square, uh, Coinbase. Um, Right. And they, they obviously care about like payments and like lightning and how can we how can we do better over there? And then it was really good to see folks from both like Google Pay and Apple Pay, um, those teams working on lightning and thinking about lightning. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was really surprising. Um, I, I, I don't we don't know if these products are going to be live, like, say, in the next three months or six months. But I think there are people there are Bitcoiners at these firms. Um, working towards Bitcoin, you know, building on lightning, building on chain. Um, so I'm kind of like very pumped about that. Um, yeah. That's, that's interesting. I, uh, the, the idea that right now you're sitting on, you know, you, you know, lots of people have their Google pay and their Apple pay and their PayPal and their Venmo and their whatever else, but like, it's this walled garden where sure you can make a credit card payment or, you know, plug in a credit card, but like to pay, you know, to pay your Venmo from PayPal, like that's, there's this wall in between, but with like a lightning integration, you could just be like, well, there you go. That, that works. They're connected via lightning. So the off, off it goes. Um, I think that's, that's an interesting aspect to it where it does actually remove friction. Yeah. I think like, I think Riani spoke about this, right? That the fastest way to send money from PayPal to cash app or other way around is actually Bitcoin lightning. <laughs> can you imagine the fastest way to send money from paypal over to cash app and, and other way is is bitcoin lightning and it, yeah. it's amazing yeah what's what's really cool about that too is i think there are there are people who companies people building products who aren't necessarily bitcoiners first but they're payments people and they're coming to lightning not because they have a bitcoin problem maybe in the same way that I do, where I'm like, I just want to, I want to get everybody to adopt Bitcoin because that's what I care about. They have a payments problem. They're like, how do we send money around cross borders and between institutions and between people as best we can? And so like they're starting from that problem and finding lightning. Um, that's That feels kind of new 
to me and and it's super super bullish i think yeah well it's yeah it is very interesting that you know for for all of us here bitcoin you know we came to it and it, it solved a problem for us or or like we we recognized it um for its its inherent qualities and inherent properties and came to it for a reason and and you're seeing these people that initially you wouldn't think that they'd be drawn to it um because the the initial thought was you know bitcoin's gonna you know displace banks and things like that but banks are also interested in sending money to and from without without friction so it, i guess it does make sense that these financial institutions and these neo banks and everything are also thinking well that's so much easier for us um it, 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 i it in retrospect i guess it was inevitable right yeah interesting now what i'm what i'm curious is what what that looks like for your average end user and and how 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 regulations play into that and and how they impact um people's interaction with that depending on where they are in the globe on the globe so like it, it's it's kind of hard to say no to um to a lightning payment like if, if if you're able to natively create a an invoice in an app that's lightning then I, I think it stands to reason that you'd just be able to accept a lightning payment from anywhere on the globe and it would just go through of course it would if you're on paypal and it's accepting lightning it would then go into paypal and paypal you know is custodying that but from a, a receiver perspective technically speaking like that shouldn't in any way affect your ability to receive at that point um sending out they may have you know certain limitations on, on on things like that if you're using a custodian but i mean for the for the average person just doing a, a basic small transaction that's going to materially improve that on a global scale um but it's also gonna you know the the people that are purists absolutely you can still go you still have the option to to fully self-custody and and hold that money yourself and now there's a network that interconnects you and everybody else that's still on the legacy financial system. So there's no more like differentiation. It's like somebody who holds cash also being able to globally interact with everybody that has a bank account. It, it's it's called fungibility basically, right? If you think about it, like Bitcoin becoming fungible with all kinds of like money and and services and goods and value in, in the world basically like you, you can move money around frictionlessly institutions will start accepting it they'll they'll, they'll have infrastructure that support it obviously you know i i, I am building a self-custody company I'm, I'm very so passionate about self-custody but i do see a place for like sort of some form of like custodial finance um maybe, maybe a lot of traditional finance institutions will eventually become um some small you know custodial nodes within within bitcoin which you know unfortunately will continue to exist um but i don't think that that really stops uh anything about bitcoin i think it, it will continue to like decentralize it will continue to like yeah. have more and more like self-custodial you know platforms wallets um on-chain lighting all, all of that and 
that's that, that that's true. That's truly a free market. Uh, yeah, and I I think to a degree it's that meme where it's like the the guy and he's standing up beside a pathway and the caption reads the government banning Bitcoin. He's no, and there's like a fence on like a piece of pathway, and then there's like a worn path just going around the fence. Um, I think it, to a degree, it's that like, yes, could it, could, um, regulations and restrictions temporarily make things a pain in the butt for people? Sure. Um, does it actually stop Bitcoin and all the applications in the way that you can frictionlessly send money to anybody anywhere in the world? Absolutely not. Because people will continue to build those things whenever there's a wall put up it, again, the, to, to paraphrase, uh, the great Ian Malcolm, uh, Bitcoin finds a way. I think that's right. Um, the, one, the one question I have, though, is on the question of friction, I guess, and, mm -hmm. and what, what is real friction is what role is KYC AML going to play, particularly with the Lightning Network? Mm -hmm. um, you know, there is a, there's like a, and I'm, I don't know the technical details well enough to comment on it a lot, but it's a question I have, which is, is there going to be this, version of lightning where we have a bunch of huge yes custodial but basically a bunch of enterprise nodes who are responsible for a lot of the liquidity on the network and in some sense are they going to end up being their own kind of walled kyc garden um yeah yeah that that's i don't know it's a it's a it's a bit of a concern of mine yeah yeah and i, I it absolutely like the the interesting part is is the way in which, um, as a receiver, yes, there you don't have the privacy guarantees as a, the same as a sender, but also as a receiver, um, there's you you can't easily discern who the sender was because of the hops that happen in between. Um, you know, if you if you put up, you know, if, if your node is publicly identified as being belonging to a certain entity or person, then yes, like. Hey, there's there's the channels that are going to you, but the hops that happen on the way there from a, a, somebody that's making a payment, it's you know that privacy is actually pretty decent, and so I don't know what that looks like if you can, uh, you know, as a node runner receiver, uh, you can you can say, all right, we're gonna we're gonna kind of try to clamp down on what you're allowed to do but we have no way of telling who's actually paying you um, or it's very difficult for us to do so. I don't know what that necessarily looks like. I guess as a person who just has Bitcoin on lightning as an individual, it doesn't really re restrict, restrict your ability to spend um, to a degree, but I don't know. Yeah. And maybe it's just a question of like efficiency at a certain point. Like there are enough node runners mm -hmm. And enough people with enough channels open that like your payments can find a way basically yeah but maybe you you know if i want to open up a channel to the paypal node or something then maybe i just won't want to do that because i won't want to have to jump through those hoops. yeah yeah exactly yeah I, th I think you might see a little bit of that um but the the I, my favorite thing about the network is that there's always uh, a six degrees of kevin bacon way to uh, get your payment to 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 find its path, so um, yeah, I think on the KYC non KYC debate, I think it's it's gonna be like a long it's a long battle. I would say um, if you think about it, 
the existing sort of banking regulations and financial regulations in the US, you, you can make a strong case why custodial lightning should be KYC'd as per the existing law, basically. So I think the, the fight here is orange pilling and educating folks in DC, the yeah. lawmakers, um, and, and help them understand why this is not the case and why there should be more freedom in terms of how we use money. I don't think, I mean, if, if we keep the existing law stagnant uh, mm -hmm. and if we let the courts interpret the law as it is right now, custodial lightning would come under a KYC sort of bucket and, and you can't do much about it. So I think the battle here is probably more legislative and, you know, sort of education oriented, like, you know, orange peeling, uh, you know, folks and like, you know, policymakers in, in DC. I think that's, that's, that's at least my take. Um, obviously there are multiple battles to fight here, but uh, one of the co most critical component is having relatively more Bitcoin friendly, you know, uh, folks, folks in Washington. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And it, 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 to me in that realm, it does seem silly to me that you would require that degree of personal information, especially in an instance where like, well, like wallet of Satoshi users, most of them are like people on Noster zapping 21 sats for notes right? Yeah. Like they're sending fractions of a penny back and forth. Like, do, do you need my, you know, an arm, leg and firstborn child in order for me to do that? That seems kind of excessive. It's absurd. It's absurd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, like we'll, we'll see different solutions. Um, again, like the, the answer around it, is, I guess is self-custody. And I guess the other answer around it is, is, uh, the return of progressive web apps perhaps it's another, it's another thing. Shout out to mutiny wallet, but, um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how it progresses. And, uh, I don't know with that, with that, uh, Martel, do you have any final thoughts in and around that before I put a bow on this topic? Let's put a bow on it. I think we're good. All right. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot of exciting things happening and, uh, I can't wait to see what the next Bitcoin epoch, uh, yields in terms of new, exciting developments. So, <laughs> Um, with that, we'll do a rotation again. First off, everybody in the chat, again, thank you for being here. Uh, keep those messages coming. Uh, also, smash that like button. Give this a share. Uh, and uh, we will do our rotation. I'm going to go to Smeet now, and I'm going to queue you up with the uh, the same question here. Why are you bullish? Can I can I say two reasons? Or is yeah, the world is your oyster, man. You take it away. <laughs> No, I think there are there are several reasons that make me bullish for Bitcoin, and, and I, I want to sort of highlight two. Um, I'll, you know, the first one obviously being just just macro. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think there has not been a really a better time in terms of the macro picture for Bitcoin right now. Um, you, you look at you know, equity markets, bond markets, um, the fiscal situation the U.S. U.S. is in right now, um, all all the geopolitical conflicts all around the world, a uh, lot of uncertainty in terms of like you know. Uh, the monetary policy path forward, a lot of like election uncertainty in, in major countries around the world um, in, in the next couple of years. Obviously, shout out to like, you know, uh, Mille's victory in, in Argentina. I think that's that's a great, great way forward. Um, so all of that, uh, the, the, the macro picture really is super bullish for Bitcoin. I don't think um, in, in, in the last four or five years, I have been like more bullish in terms of the mac macro. Um, Having said that, um, the thing that really makes me bullish is I want to like sort of build upon you know Martel's earlier comments around um, just like builders uh, thinking now positively about Bitcoin. Um, I'm I'm not sure if you know uh, Ben if you come across this new emerging sort of movement around like effective actualizationism, 
mm-hmm. which is this idea that you know the 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 path of progress is like techno capital in nature and and essentially it's about like building real world things building sort of you know energy building you know supply chains um building all sorts of infrastructure that will accelerate sort of humans and human civilization in, into into the next realm right so um i do personally feel that um i i, I want to believe uh for 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 a good reason that we are at the cusp of like a you know techno scientific exponential age um and you know ai has a very important role to play in that especially open source ai mm-hmm. um and that's where you know i've been spending a lot of my personal time outside of bitcoin um in into like you know finding allies in 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 the open source ai community because open source ai and bitcoin are like very very congruent in in many ways um I, i've been writing on this this end on twitter in the last few months but by and large um you know the very similar dynamics um very similar sort of adversaries that both the networks face uh both want to fight for decentralization um and uh yeah they they have they have allies uh, open source ai finds allies in the closed source ai community but they don't have many allies uh outside of that and and and, and a lot of like big techs sort of regulatory state um especially a lot of like eu regulations um uh, they they want to like you know suppress suppress uh, open source ai and ai in general at at the very bud and i feel uh, bitcoin as sovereign reserve asset on different open source ai projects on different companies uh, building like real world infrastructure real world stuff um you know be it like aerospace be it like energy uh, be it you know next generation sort of you know transportation logistics um all of these folks can can gradually be orange build i think a lot of them are looking for you know solutions outside the system and there is nothing more outside the system than bitcoin mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, bitcoin is truly the most decentralized and the most valuable network decentralized in the world so um i think there is a there is a lot of con- you know congruence and and alignment that we can find with a bunch of different accelerationist sort of forks um and and certainly you know open source ai so i'm i'm personally very very excited because of that as i said like these days i i've been you know having you know almost like almost like delusional level dreams about like you know as i said the the techno scientific exponential age and i feel bitcoin has a very 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 critical role to play as sound money um as sound digital money um and yeah that that's that's what's been like you know capturing my imagination and capturing a lot of my 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 time out here awesome i love it i love it man um yeah like it so i mean in in terms of all of these technologies coming coming together in in a bit of a perfect storm and and like how quickly things are moving um again the the ai thing i was listening to jeff booth and preston pish uh, they just did a show and they were talking about, they started off the show with a bunch of the AI stuff that they're working on. I didn't even realize where it was at. Um, like, and, and I'm using some of it myself to, to help, you know, expedite some things that would normally take me a while. But like Preston is training a version, like, like an, an AI, like a GPT, like of himself. Yeah. And he's able to feed it books that he's written and transcripts of shows that he's done and the ai can decipher where like even just with a transcript can decipher where he is talking and his guest is talking and then it gives weightings based on like his thoughts versus like 
the new thought that he would have ingested with what the person just said. And like, it's, and, and then Jeff was able to then interact with his AI bot and see how it would respond to his questions to see if it seemed like press. And he was like, it's amazing. It's amazing. Like, and, and, and to have that. And, and I think you honed in on, on the, one of the most important things is, is the open source versions of those things. Um, I think that's incredibly important because like when it, when it comes to, we're talking about the stifling of innovation with regulation in the U S and around these custodial uh, options, you know, it, it kind of seems like you could, these regulatory moats could be built and then you get just a bunch of big players that, you know, get to sit pretty because they're the ones that are allowed to bring us the AI and then these other options are aren't on the table. My question to you is, do you think those regulatory moat situations, even if they were to be passed, do you think they'd be effective? Or do you think that these open source options will again kind of find a way to make its to make its impact? I think uh, much harder, uh, much harder than Bitcoin. I would say open source AI needs support. And and I'm gonna like make a argument why why that is the case versus Bitcoin could actually like you know uh, go around regulations and like still become a very very valuable net- network. I think that's because like the physical reality, the thermodynamic reality of like Bitcoin mining, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't you can't like sort of unless you go and like ask Bitcoin miners to like shut shop and like move, move places, even that has not been like very successful. Uh, you know, shutting down Bitcoin is very, very hard. I think shutting down open source AI is far easier because there is no, there is no like real world infrastructure. There is no steel. There is no silicon chips. There is no energy thermodynamic processes that are like backing open source AI. Um, and to that extent, it's just a bunch of repositories and, and you know, sort of code and things like that. It is, it is harder. Um, of course, than any other technology, but I would say uh, Bitcoin is, in that sense, the hardest thing to like, you know, regulate and 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 stop. So I would say, open source AI needs more support. Um, I don't think it should be assumed, given that because because open source money movement made its way to being a six hundred billion dollar network, um, open source AI will also likely see the same scale. I don't think that's the case because open source AI does not have the physical real world grounding of Bitcoin mining. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to that extent, I think the, the way open source AI movement can find grounding in the real world, uh, in, in physical physical reality is through holding Bitcoin on their balance sheets, right? So that's that's my sort of broad, you know, um, broad, broad, you know, sort of education art that I'm trying to like tell people about that, hey, like just to become uncensorable, just to become uncancelable, um, as a company, as an institution, as an entity, uh, as a project, if you hold Bitcoin um, instead of dollars, or basically a combination of those two, depending on on your you know expenses and and the kind of geography that you operate in, uh, you become truly become uncensorable, right? Um, yeah. So your your code when your open source code when merged with open source money is is basically foolproof in many sense. Um, mm-hmm. Versus open source code with fiat money. Let's say let's say you raise ten million dollars as an open source grant, and if that those ten million dollars are sitting in a Bank of America account, um, hey, like what's what's stopping Uncle Sam from shutting down that AI project? Um, so yeah. to that extent, I think uh, there is a is a strong congruence in, in in many ways. Like open source AI mo- movement needs Bitcoin more than Bitcoin needs AI, but I also feel that 
for 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 the bitcoins you know bitcoin the, the the long arch of bitcoin number go up which is like literally the the long arch the exponential curve of bitcoin um needs needs like you know hyper productivity needs like nuclear energy needs ai uh and to that extent like you know bitcoin bitcoin being the base monetary layer for any kind of techno scientific revolution um makes like bitcoin valuable makes bitcoin resilient makes those industries and those founders and those builders truly like outside the system builders um with with strong grounding in bitcoin so i think um i'm i'm like in super super alignment with jeff booth's sort of overall worldview about um this new new techno scientific age being hyper deflationary um yeah. there is a there is a hyper deflationary force the techno capital force um in terms of ai merge with like open source money that is truly deflationary so like it's 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 basically uh, a, a square of deflation in many ways um, yeah like, so that's interesting I'm, and my hope is that like you said the 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 people that have the ethos to build open source ai are also the people that that have the wherewithal to save in open source money and thus they become uncensorable with their fu money that they've accumulated yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. i love it julian i'm curious your thoughts on this yeah well i i just i'll, I'll double down on something mate you just touched on which is the what i think is probably the the reason why ai accelerates bitcoin in particular and that is how like insanely deflationary it is right mm -hmm. um ben you, you spoke about us using it to like do a few tasks you know already and you can imagine like if you were to find someone on upwork or whatever like that's already dollars that you're saving right and so like imagine that but times a billion <laughs> like this is it's such an insanely deflationary technology and so like what does that have to do with bitcoin well i mean we know that central banks have an inflation target right like this is a policy outcome that is being engineered that's trying to keep like fighting against deflation like i mean jeff booth talks about this we've got these inflation targets where it's like two percent four percent maybe now it's six percent but like there's this whole <laughs> manufactured economic system designed to keep prices going up you know you know like there's this famous chart that everyone's probably seen where it's like tracking like what's been inflation like what's gone up in price and what's gone down over the past several years and there's like the red lines have gone down the blue lines have gone up i don't know if you guys know this one but it's like anything where there's like a free market technological or whatever else has all gone down <laughs> and anything that's gone up is basically where the government's got its grips around it and is you know it's like education or healthcare right. exactly right and so this divergence is just going to accelerate and become unsustainable i think particularly you know with it would be it would anyway but particularly with ai where the price of so many things is going to fall through the floor yeah and so so what does that mean it means this inflation target is like completely busted um and other things too and so what's what's going to happen well more money printing more other things but um you know this this reality of deflation that fiat economics is like predicated on denying mm -hmm. it's coming right yeah yeah it's it's interesting um again you, you the the deflationary nature and 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 i guess i i neglected to mention my my main exciting thing that i'm using ar for that meaningfully actually opened up a world to me that was previously inaccessible just for sheer cost 
is translation. And, and so I, my goal has always been to try and take the tutorials that I make and get them in other languages. And I needed to do it in a certain way. I was like, I can't just have, I can't just have dub like uh, uh, the, the, the captions underneath because people need to be able to look at what I'm doing and they can't be reading something and also taking in what I'm doing. It also needs, so it needs to be dubbed. It needs to be somebody speaking over top of me, but then it also needs to be timed properly. And it needs to be done by somebody that knows about Bitcoin so that the translations make sense. Um, well, I mean, flash forward to today. And like, first of all, the cost of doing that was impossible. Like I just, I couldn't do it. I, I, I all of the money that comes in would be immediately going out and uh, my family would not be super happy uh, when we sold our house. Um, so, so now flash forward to today, and I have a, a, a subscription that uh, is like a monthly su subscription for a couple hundred bucks, which is, is for sure going to fall in price as time goes on. But I, I got to show you this. Um, this, is, this is me. I took a tutorial. I plunked it into a, a website and it spit this back at me. It's my voice in Spanish live dubbing a tutorial that I've done and I'll, I'll, I'll just play a little bit of it, but, uh, but here it is. It's crazy. Las transacciones anteriores en la pantalla principal aquí. Actualización visible. Transacciones anteriores entran y salen de la billetera. Si tuviera saldo aquí, recuperaría acceso a él y capacidad de enviar dentro y fuera de la billetera en cuestión. Sí, tú. Solo un pequeño apunte aquí, tu copia de seguridad de 24 palabras es plataforma agnóstica, lo que significa que puedes usar estas 24 Is <laughs> is that not insane? Like it it, it CGI's my wild. lips. <laughs> <laughs> What's the name of that tool? That's brilliant. It's called Heygen, H E Y G E N. It's unbelievable but like you could have just like, you could have told everybody by the way you could have told everybody that you've just been like practicing your spanish on the side <laughs> and, I, I, and like i, I would have believed it, it. On, yeah yeah i put it up on twitter and i didn't i was like all i said was how do i sound and everybody's like whoa i can't believe look at you i was like yeah well you know do what i can <laughs> but yeah like that's crazy and so like that opens up a whole world i'm in the process i'm creating a 10 a 10 video course to start. And this, the impetus with this came through uh, human rights foundation. I got a grant a while back, so I'm using the money to help build out this, but I'm starting with 10 videos that I'm going to do for human rights activists around the world. Uh, but I'm actively translating them to right now, Spanish, Hindi, and Mandarin. And so those are going to be the first three languages that I cover with that 10, 10 video course. And we'll go from there, I guess. I want to see your Hindi BTC sessions. Yes, I know. <laughs> I'm going to have to send it over to you to see how accurate it is. I heard the Spanish that they were like, it's like 99 point something percent pretty good. And like the few words that may be off or expressions that may be off are like, you can navigate around and be totally fine. So I'll, <laughs> I'll send over what I've got. You tell me if it's any good. Yeah, BTC sessions in Hindi is like, you know, it's, it's that's bullish. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's one of the most spoken languages on the planet, right? Yeah, it is. It yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to sort of, you know, reply back to Matthew out here. Um, yeah. I think I, I'm on your camp, Matthew. Like, I think once, 
you know, zeta hash is is possible. That's just like slightly more than doubling. Um, I'm bullish. I think that's 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 we're gonna hit that. Absolutely. So we're 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 sitting we're sitting right now. I'm just looking uh, just in terms of. Um, I'm just gonna refresh. It says we're at. I mean, and this is a seven day average, but 506 exahash right now. So that's wild. Again, like I remember us. It wasn't that long ago that we were looking at like a hundred and then two hundred, and that seemed this stupidly high. And this yeah. is a bear market. Like we're not even <laughs> back into all time highs again yet. We're at yeah. five hundred x. This is insane. And this, to be honest, this isn't. This wasn't even my reason of why I'm insanely bullish, but it is a good one. <laughs> which is like this plus the halving coming. I mean, if you're the type of person that believes that there's a there is a relationship between hash and price, which I am, uh, it's wild. I mean, or basically, even just on this one angle, right? Like, okay, a bunch of new institutional capital is always in some sense coming into the Bitcoin network. And like, there's always this choice, I suppose, like, do we, you know, does that go into spot or does it go into mining? And if the hash is continues to climb like this and stay at these highs, plus the halving, then like all of that investment that perhaps some portion of it would have gone into mining and has in previous cycles. Yeah. What's well, it's going into spot basically. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. That's true as well. And, and I, I think the, the missing piece of the puzzle that the, the people don't, that don't understand why the, the hash rate keeps going up is, is miners are, are number one, getting more and more efficient, but number two are honing in on energy sources that are just waste yeah. at, at an increasing, you know, at an increasing pace, they're finding all these places where, you know, that. It's something like 60 something percent or more, I think, of all energy produced ends up as waste just in like transmission or, yeah. or in the production process. Like it's it's an insane amount. And so like the Bitcoin hash rate could go parabolic from here and there's still going to be plenty of waste energy to utilize. Yeah. Yeah. Plus plus nation states. Yeah. Maybe it's a little more speculative, but like. It's 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 gonna be wild when when the, the when the environmentalists realize that Bitcoin is their friend. Yeah. Like just ima imagine. <laughs> I think uh, it's wild, right? I mean, Bitcoin Bitcoin is so it is so generalized, it is so generic that it it can align with, you know, for good or for bad, it can align with different sorts of worldviews, different sorts of you know political worldviews. Uh, obviously, like we want you know energy that goes into waste to go into Bitcoin. Uh, but then all of a sudden, like there will be a whole different side of, you know, energy infrastructure that will be unlocked as, you know, environmentalists go wild about Bitcoin being their friend. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Imagine because like one of the one of the main talking points about, um, you know, about climate changes is, is it's they're now starting to point out like, hey, methane emissions are, are like way, way worse than CO2 in terms of warming effect. Yeah. And you know, now there's there's major Bitcoin mines coming on that are literally just capturing the methane from yeah. from the dump and then using that, converting it to, into CO2, which has 80 times less warming effect. Yeah. Um, and they're they're mining Bitcoin with it. They're they're helping the environment and mining yeah. Bitcoin. And that that's going to make Greenpeace's head spin. Exactly. Yeah. Imagine the fun, like the fun part about this. 
Yeah, we get to we get to see who really cares about the environment and who exactly. just hates money. Who just secretly exactly. hates money. Yeah. <laughs> we we need to have New York Times's front page saying, you know, Bitcoin is green. Yeah. And that, that's yeah. otherwise they are just lying. I mean, they they're just like doing virtue signaling about caring about the environment. Yeah. If, if yeah. Once it's possible to be the most capitalistic that you can possibly be and yeah. also like unambiguously making the environment better. Yeah. Uh, that explodes some narratives for sure. Yeah. yeah. Damn. I love it when Bix Bitcoin fixes things, which is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always, all the time. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, I think um, we'll, we can we can put a bow on this uh, this topic here. Smith, that was great. Thank you very much for that. Um, and uh, I think we'll we'll do our final rotation. First, I'll give a shout out to everybody in the chat. Thank you guys so much for being here. Again, smash that little like button just below the screen. That helps a ton. And give this a share on your socials. Uh, that always helps a bunch as well. Uh, but we're going to jump to Julian here. Final question of the evening, same as the ones before. Why are you bullish, my friend? Why am I bullish? Um, I, so I have a general, a general answer. And I would describe it as vibe shift. I'm seeing a huge vibe shift. And I think other people are too. And it's a shift that is, yes, like it's in the direction of being uh, bullish for Bitcoin for lots of reasons, but it's like a pro-freedom vibe shift. Like think about where we were like two years ago or one, one year ago. I mean, it, if you're, honestly, it feels like the, to me, the world was a completely different place. Yeah. And yet, yeah, okay, a lot of these problems aren't like solved, solved, but the Overton window on, in so many respects feels like it's been exploded and i don't know if that's just like elon buying twitter maybe precipitated some of this stuff but basically i feel like the pendulum is is swinging um whether it's like millet in argentina obviously but you know pierre polivier I, I can't pronounce his last name but ben you, you'd know much more about good actually pierre in canada one of the best one pronunciations i've i've uh, heard polio okay yeah polio all right um I guess what I'm seeing is like not just pro-freedom leaders emerging, but in many cases, like specifically pro-Bitcoin leaders too. Um, and I know a lot of Bitcoiners are skeptical about any politician anytime and like for good reason, but yeah. I'm it, to me, it's like so good. It's so insanely bullish. Even if like half the promises some of these people make don't get even acted on. Right, or don't get implemented. Like the fact that we have aspiring leaders of major nations around the world talking positively about Bitcoin and just like shifting public consciousness on it to me is it's like insanely underrated. Like we've got at least three US presidential candidates that have like a Bitcoin or Bitcoin slash crypto platform. Yeah. There's a presidential election next year. Like, so uh, to me, it's it's insanely, it's just insanely bullish. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, uh, before I, I chime in here, because I feel like I sometimes <laughs> get too excited about things, but I'm, I'm going to get some other thoughts. Maybe I'll, I'll I don't know, Mar Martel, do you want to chime in? Like, do, do, are you feeling this yeah, vibe as well? Definitely. And I think we need much more of it. And Part of the vibe shift was also what uh, Smeet was talking about earlier with EAC, but I'm loving the optimism. I think the leaders in power today, they're 
very pessimistic and they're using fear to govern people, fear to control people. And it's all this doom and gloom and the world is a terrible place. And, you know, big reason why I love this community we have with the Bitcoin community is that we're dreaming of all these possibilities. There's a utopia uh, that we're on the brink of. And I think, yeah, the vibe shift, I'm observing it. I'm seeing a lot of people have hope again, even outside of the Bitcoin community. But I think it's permeating, uh, especially like as we've seen with Malay uh, in, in politics, we have someone for the first time who's just being honest, calling people out, calling out the bad actors. And he was elected. I mean, let's see what he actually does. But just the fact that the people gave that a chance, they're giving hope a chance, they're giving liberty a chance. I think that that is something that we could all look forward to. I hope that that could happen in the U.S. as well. So uh, let's see. Yeah, it's, I, you're right. Like it's the... I think Bitcoiners are just, um, you're, you're, you, you get this mindset shift where you go from, you know, the, the, if you're still living in the legacy world, if you're, if you're pre Bitcoin, you're, you know, most people that I know are very nihilistic. Like everything is world's going to hell. Um, there's no coming back. There's, there's no you know, as we would say, bright orange future on the horizon. And the Bitcoiners that I know, um, you know, they're there. And, you know, Julian, you alluded to this as well. They are, they are um, adversarial thinkers, which is, uh, in my opinion, a, a positive thing to have, but they're also incredibly optimistic. And, and so like, there's this shift of just like throwing in the towel for the average person versus Bitcoiners saying like, not only am I optimistic, but I'm working towards that future. I'm, I'm building things. I'm, I'm building a community. I'm uh, trying to find other like-minded people and lift them up as well. And again, like I, 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 I feel like, I mean, Bitcoin has changed me. I feel like you guys would probably echo that sentiment and and it's changed the quality of people I surround myself with as well, as well as just like the quality of my life in general has, has, has vastly, vastly improved since I, and I, and I know it's specifically because of Bitcoin and the people that I've encountered because of Bitcoin. So I don't know, like Smeet, are, are you going to echo this as well as this, uh, <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's, 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 you know, hard to even say that I agree with this. I mean, I agree with it, all of, all of this. I think it's, it's so amazing. Um, I think like, you know, uh, I, I think Martel put it right. I think there is a, there's a pro freedom movement happening. I think uh, within obviously within Bitcoin, but outside Bitcoin as well. And I think like Melee's victory, I think is, is, is going to be less bullish for Bitcoin just yet as, as much as we want it to happen. I think it's a victory for hard money politics it's a victory for you know straight shooting politics or you know, libertarian politics and i think that itself is a major win in my opinion um you know expecting argentina to like bitcoinize overnight is is a little bit of a fantasy of where i am standing at right now um but yeah like you know argentina in itself moving to a more hard money standard sort of motivates and inspires other you know latin american countries to like see that as as a way out of you know hyperinflation and socialist policies so i think 
um that's that's pretty strong you know very 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 like bullish in that sense i think us politics is still a little we'll we'll see how that how bitcoin plays a role uh i do expect by the way the other thing i i want to sort of call out um is that um while while we are all sort of very 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 pro bitcoin and we only want bitcoin to succeed uh, most of these politicians are going to take a little bit of a more broader stance and unfortunately uh will likely be both like funded from by crypto organizations and continue to hold pro crypto um narratives which i don't know how to exactly think about but i think you know um yeah over time we know who's winning and who's not winning so i i think we should we should rather consider that as a intermediate step towards towards eventually uh, all of them being truly orange pilled yeah so um yeah i i'd agree i think um i mean fortunately for many of us our um our roads to deciphering how bitcoin is different from everything else wasn't done on a public stage uh but it very much will be for a lot of these politicians and like all all of these very visible um public figures that that come to this and realize there's something here but like have to navigate it through a copious amount of noise because you're right there's going to be there's going to be money thrown around left, right, and center. And how many people are going to um, recognize the misaligned incentives with that and be able to step back from it and say, no, I'm not going to take this money. Exactly. Who who knows? Um, but the, the, I think one of the cool things, again, to hone in on, I guess, the freedom aspect of it and this shift is that we don't need the entire world to do this all at once. Because I think that Bitcoin was the final piece of that puzzle for that sovereign individual thesis to play out. And the pockets of freedom that we're seeing pop up right now are going to multiply. And you're going to have either just jurisdictions that, you know, are, are saying, hey, come here. This is this is what you get. If, you, if you're paying taxes, this is what you're going to get for it instead of you better pay your taxes or you're going to jail. It's, it's the inverse where they're going to be effectively advertising to potential constituents to say like hey we're providing great services or minimal absolute minimal services from a government if that's what you're looking for and that's going to have an effect on uh, you know brain drain people are going to go to these jurisdictions and even if people don't move they're still going to be able to establish local connections with people and interact with them as they see fit and i think you're going to see a lot more circular bitcoin economies pop up in small towns in small groups of people in large cities but you have a small core cohort of people where they're just going to interact with each other and get what they need locally for sats um on, on a larger scale here in canada i feel like i'm on the cusp of of uh, a pretty unique um happenstance where both the leader of my province and the leader of my country will be Bitcoiners inside of two years. Because right now, my province of Alberta, the 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 premier, they're known as um, Danielle Smith, is a Bitcoiner. And I know this because she had a radio show years ago and she had me on three times to talk about Bitcoin. <laughs> and she's had Francis Pouliot on and Dave Bradley, who's a co-founder of Bull Bitcoin. Um, she, so she knows Bitcoin, she gets it, and, and she's a freedom-minded individual. She's also pushing back a lot against um, federal overreach. 
which further lean, uh, leans into the idea of that sovereign individual thesis where you have like a splintering of the states. Um, yeah. our, our next door neighbor, uh, Saskatchewan, literally just told the federal government to go pound sand with their carbon tax and said, we're not even going to collect it come uh, January 1st. So tough, <laughs> which is amazing. Um, and then on top of that, again, Polyev, like just Justin Trudeau is his poll numbers are abysmal. If there was elect, an election today, not a, a snowflake's chance in hell would he get reelected. Um, could he pull some tricky BS and and create some sort of a coalition government? That's how it works in Canada. You can team up with other political parties and take control, um, which is unfortunate. But like right now, if there was an election tomorrow, Polyev would be a, a, the leader of Canada. Um, so... Yeah, there's there's a very real possibility that inside of two years, uh, I will be feeling the exact opposite of what I felt um, at the beginning of 2021 when uh, bank accounts were getting shut down and uh, and people were being trampled on by horses. So let's let's cross our. That's fingers awesome. That. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you like you mentioned something really important, which is maybe I think the most important piece to this vibe shift, let's call it, that's maybe not not so appreciated, which is the pockets of freedom. Yes. Like I think too, too many people get stuck into this paradigm of thinking, well, there's either the regime as it exists or that, you know, and so it's like, I either have to be subsumed into, like, let's say I want to make a difference in some way. I want to try and affect some change. Either I have to participate in this corrupt, broken regime or, you know, it's like the other end of the spectrum, which is, I don't know, I just want to blow it all up and I'm going to be like a, you know, kind of idealistic revolutionary who just kind of opts out. <laughs> but, but really I think there's so much middle ground there, whether it's like individual pockets of freedom, like El Salvador or, or other places that, like you said, can bring people in, but even just like finding, you know, circular, little circular Bitcoin economies, and so much other, there's like a lot of space, basically. There's so much space to try new things, new ideas for like, how should states be governed? How should they even exist in the first place? Like the, this is this kind of like paradigm that might be breaking a little bit. And I think a lot of experimentation is gonna come. So that's, that's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. you're absolutely right. It's, um, <laughs> it's an exciting time to, it's a volatile time to to be experiencing all this, but uh, it's also exciting because, as you said, we're all we're on the all in this optimistic wavelength where um, we're trying to build the future that we actually want to see, and I, that's what I love about all you guys and about all the other people that I've met and interacted with. It's um, uh, if, if the quality of the people are in any indication of the quality of our future that we have ahead of us. It's going to be a great one. So um, with that, uh, unless anybody has any final thoughts on this topic, I, I may begin to uh, start to do just uh, general final thoughts from everybody. So does anybody have anything else they want to tag on here before I dive into that? I just want to say that uh, me and my wife booked tickets for Buenos Aires after Malay won. So we are <laughs> visiting Argentina in January. Awesome. I love it. I love it. That's great. That's amazing. All right. Well, 
Okay, so we are going to uh, just move into the final portion of the show. And uh, what I like to do as I wrap up is I like to do just a quick round of any final thoughts that you may have and recommendations. And what I mean by recommendations is this. Um, this can come in any form. It can be, uh, I want it to be something that you think that the audience may benefit from. And so this could be, oh, maybe I read a book and I really liked it, or I saw a podcast, I listened to a podcast or a video and, uh, and you should check it out. And I, I think it's worth checking out. Um, maybe it's, uh, an app that you really like. Maybe it's a device that you tried and you got a kick out of, and you, you think people could get value from, or maybe it's a personal experience that you had and a piece of life advice that you'd like to impart on, on them, whatever it may be. Uh, if you think people could benefit from it, then, uh, this is your chance to get it off your chest. So, uh, final thoughts and any recommendations you have my, my final thought, um, I'm going to talk, uh, uh, just tag on to this, this pocket of freedom, um, mention here. Uh, go out and grab it, right? Go out and do it yourself. If not you, then who? And so, um, I'm, I'm excited to be, uh, trying to attempt that here in my home city of Calgary, uh, on December 16th, I'm hosting the first Saturday sat market and it's going to be Bitcoiners getting together, uh, with all of the goods and services and things that they make and offer. Uh, and we're all going to be accepting sats. We have a venue booked. It's going to be in downtown Calgary. Um, it's on the meetup pages and everything that I've created. Um, and uh, we've got 30 merchants so far. And we've got people coming in, not just from around the city, not just from around Alberta. I've got people coming in from uh, provinces on both sides of us. Some people getting on planes and coming into Calgary. Other people driving upwards of seven hours just to be here for it. It's going to be amazing. And uh, the support, the swell of support I've had since, uh, you know, saying that I wanted to do it last week is crazy. And so I'd encourage everybody to do the same. Get to your local meetup at, say, I'm looking to buy and get the following things with Bitcoin. Does anybody do this or know anybody that does? And then if you start to see that build up a bit, think about doing a market, you know, quarterly or twice a year or once a year, whatever it may be. Build that network, build those connections, build those relationships so that you can become uh, truly uncensorable. Because if you have good relationships with people that are willing to accept sats for the amazing things that they make or do, um, then it wouldn't matter if somebody kicked in the door to the market and shut it down indefinitely. You already know the people. And that's the important part, the human connections. So go out, do it, build it. I encourage it. Uh, let's go around. Love that. <laughs> Love that. Uh, just want to sort of quickly respond back to Matthew. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know what that question means. I'm I'm bullish about Bitcoin being the largest currency <laughs> that by 2050. Let's let's put it that way. I, I I know we are entering a Bitcoin standard. It won't be like anytime soon, like imminent. But I, I think it is coming, and it it will come. Um, yeah. In, in, in short yeah. order. And Bitcoin's already the largest uh, uh, currency that matters. So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> awesome. All right. So, uh, I'll, I'll go to Martel first. Any final thoughts you might have just generally for the show? And then, if you have a recommendation to toss out there in whatever form, feel free. Sure. Yeah. I think keeping it simple, uh, let's all stay positive. The world is a beautiful place. I'm sure everyone listening has a lot of freedoms in their life and 
you know, try to, you know, use that to inspire you to keep, keep this optimistic, um, view alive. I would say for recommendations, one thing that I've done recently, um, so upon entering the Bitcoin space, I loved it so much. I wanted to spend all my time with Bitcoiners. And then more recently, I've been getting in touch and getting involved in my local community, building more local friendships with people who aren't Bitcoiners. And I think that's the best way for us Bitcoiners to make an impact and to orange pill other people is to not just close off to ourselves, but to go out, make connections, bond with people, be a figure in your own community. And you're leading by example and more and more people are going to be looking at you in this optimistic world you're living in and wonder, huh, how, how is Smeet so happy all the time? How's Julian? How's Ben? Why, why are they always looking on the bright side? And it, it's a huge contrast from what the mainstream narrative is. And it's very attractive. So I've seen it in my own life uh, most recently that a lot of people are, are looking for something to have hope in and you can be that in your own community. That's great. I love that. Awesome. Uh, I will toss it over to Smeet then. And uh, same thing, final thoughts, recommendations. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I just want to sort of build upon what you said earlier about um, Bitcoiners actually not being doomerists and nihilists. I think like Bitcoiners are are very optimistic. Uh, we, we, we don't think that we can reform the system from within. So we think of solutions from the outside. Um, you know, there, there's no way Satoshi could have reformed the the us federal reserve from inside like you know doing a phd in economics and going up to the ranks of being the the chairman of federal reserve would still have not made him possible to like reform the federal reserve but who, whoever they you know he she they are they 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 certainly you know reformed it uh, from the outside and i think uh, that truly captures the definite optimism of bitcoiners and Maybe I'll spend like 30 seconds on, on this framework that Peter Thiel sort of popularized back in 2010 was this axis of definite and indefinite and then optimism and pessimism. Um, we are on the on the bucket of like definite optimist, which is basically we are optimistic and we know how we will get there versus being indefinite optimist is just delusionally optimist, right? Like we, we just keep saying that we will get there without really knowing how. In case of Bitcoiners, I think we know we are going to make it. We, are, we know that human civilization is going to make it. And, and we know how Bitcoin and other technologies play a role in, 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 in that versus, you know, a lot of like indefinite pessimism that we see in the real world that, you know, Martel was talking about is, you know, a lot of people are just nihilistic and, you know, doom oriented and apocalyptic in many respects. And I think Bitcoin really sort of uh, shows hope um, through, through being a definite optimistic channel. And yeah, you know, I, I'm trying to play a small part uh, by building a Bitcoin company. Like, you know, we, I think that's this is the best thing I can be doing to Bitcoin is 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 working on making it easier and simpler for people to become self-sovereign and not really have to rely upon like third party yeah. you know, counterparty counterparties and and risks and 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 that's all you know that's all that matters. So. Yeah, I'm I'm excited in terms of recommendation. I again, you know, very, you know, very much echo Martel. Um, what I have been doing is, you know, going around my communities and then talking to people uh, about Bitcoin, how Bitcoin aligns with the things that they are doing. Um, a lot of my, you know, founder friends, builders, um, other folks that I interact with in in Silicon Valley. Um, I'm trying to like, you know, show them, uh, fix the money, fix the world 
a paradigm. And the way I do it is by asking questions instead of telling them about Bitcoin, right? So ask them questions around, okay, why do you think, you know, college education is so expensive? So let them know. So go through the, the analysis of why college education might be expensive on the fiat standard. Uh, why is, you know, why don't we see the architecture of, you know, 16th and 17th and 18th century Europe in, in, the, in the broader Anglo-Western civilization anymore? Uh, I recently got, actually orange built a friend through through pure architectural pitch, uh, which is just insane. Like I was able to show her how, you know, great architecture and great buildings and great things were built on the gold standard, and it took hundred sometimes years, you know, two hundred years to build build a beautiful you know uh, church and like you know other other monuments. Um, but it was worth it. I mean, we still are awed when we walk when we walk in the streets of Barcelona and Paris and Vienna. Um, why can't we build that anymore? Uh, um, so, and and I, I explained through the, the concept of soft money and hard money, and, and she's like, yeah, it, it finally clicks. He's like, hey, why are you like sort of selling me this libertarian, you know, ANCAP <laughs> stuff, you know, Federal Reserve and TradFi and US bonds? I'm not, I don't care about those things. I care about like beautiful architecture and aesthetics. And I'm like, yeah, it Bitcoin literally fixes everything. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I love that topic. And just to, uh, this is, I, spoke about this on a show with somebody a few months ago because I, I had traveled I was in Italy through a lot of the summer and and the thing that stood out to me most the line of thought that stood out to me most was all these buildings that are beautiful and have lasted for centuries they were built by people that in many instances knew they would never see them to completion but they built them yeah. anyways they built them in service of a generation that they would never meet. And today it's the inverse. We steal from a future generation to build shitty disposable buildings. And it's and it's like the money corrupts everything. And so we need to get yeah. back to a, a place where we're building for future generations instead of stealing from them. Yeah, it's, it's a nihilistic world. And I, I don't want to like take a lot of time here, but I think like anything that is purposefully made ugly and and not built to last i think it 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 reflects something like very deep deeply like you know sort of nihilistic and it, it just just not positive i think there's a lot of ugliness behind that thought process and i think we you know bitcoin is a definite way of like building towards uh building towards like a great you know sustainable sort of yeah. civilization so yeah. our buildings are like a, a a mirror to our um inner values i suppose yeah Absolutely. Uh, Julian, I'm going to toss it to you last. Uh, final thoughts, recommendations. Go ahead, man. I think my final thought is that nobody is bullish <laughs> enough. I, I'm I'm not bullish enough. None of us are bullish enough. And I think um, amazing things are coming and they're coming soon. And that it's it's important to remember that it's always ethical and it's always moral to connect people to the Bitcoin network in some way. It's never a bad time to shill. It's never a bad time to send somebody some sats or to chew somebody's ear off, you know? Uh, and I think it's hard to do at the bottom of a bear market, but it's also hard to do at the top of a bull market as well. And you never know in six months time, we might be there and it might be just too hard to cut through the noise because it will be like super noisy. And so in some ways, like maybe now is the, the best time, you know, nine months ago would have been hard. 
in nine months time from now probably will be hard again for different reasons. Like now is the time. Um, so like get out there and shill is my advice. My recommendation. Perfect. You heard it here. Go forth and shill everybody. Please do. Um, that's awesome. Well, guys, again, uh, what a great, what a great time. I got to tell you, I just got a message, uh, off screen here, but uh, I just got a DM, uh, from D plus plus and she wanted you all to know, uh, that she loved the show and, uh, and I've got to say, I love her. She is such an amazing educator. I don't know if you guys have ever sat in on like her talking about how lightning works or, or how, uh, mining works. And like, those are, are, are just invaluable experiences. So, um, again, what an amazing person. And also anybody watching, if you ever get the chance to go see D plus plus in whatever she's teaching you, go do it. It's it's amazing. She's she's so incredible. So anyways, now that I've showered her with praise, um, I want to shower you guys with praise. You guys are all amazing. Thank you so much for this wonderful, wonderful discussion. Um, and I, I hope you guys all had a good time. And of course, you are all welcome back anytime. Have a great weekend, you guys. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. And love you, Dee. Thanks for the support. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, guys. I'll see you later. Thanks. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being here and joining us all for Why Are We Bullish? I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, smash that like button below the screen. Doesn't take more than a second, but it does help a ton. You can also, of course, share this again to anybody you think may have a good time watching it. And please do help me in my crusade to 100,000 subscribers. We're getting there. I'm giving myself to the end of the next year to do it. We're sitting in the low 80s right now. I think we can do it. I think we can do it. Um, and, uh, shout out to everybody in the chat. Of course, thank you guys for being here and being part of the conversation. Really value it. I see yellow popping in last minute here. Yellow. Good to see you. Uh, and with that, of course, um, I want to also say that you can also help the show in another way. You can hit up the previously mentioned sponsors in the show notes. Of course, those were Hoddle, Hoddle, CoinKite, Cedar, Nunchuck, Start9. They're all down there. Check out everybody that was on the show. All of their Twitter handles are in the show notes. And from there, you can find everything that they're doing. And then my final kind of self-shill here is more about that market I was talking about. I'm very excited to have it happen. And I could, I could really use your help to get the word out. Of course, it's local to me. But that doesn't matter because I want people to replicate it other places too. I'm trying to make a blueprint of it, of the, the mistakes that we make and the victories that we have. But I think it's so important to have those, those connections and build those local communities so that you become a robust, independent, you know, the, the, this community that can't be shaken. And I think we can build that together. So if you want to find the event, uh, it, you can find it a couple different places. One would be on the Orange Pill app if you're already on it. It's pretty awesome to to connect with local Bitcoiners, but you'll see it under the Saturday Sat Market. You'll be able to search that up. Um, but if you're not on Orange Pill app yet, then of course you can go and find it on Meetup.com as well. Uh, and again, it's under the Saturday Sat Market. It's hosted by myself. Um, and I have a BTC Sessions Bitcoin education uh, uh, group on there that can be joined. Uh, but all the details are there. We have a venue, we have a time, we have a date, uh, and we have a whole bunch of merchants. If you want to be involved as a merchant, great. Reach out to me, contact at btcsessions.ca. If you just want to show up, please just show up and bring your friends and family 
every merchant will be capable of accepting sats. And on top of that, we're also going to make it so that merchants can uh, accept cash and things like that so that the Bitcoin curious can still come and feel included. There's going to be a lot of great stuff there. We've got so much going on and I can't wait. Uh, so please, please help me spread the word. Um, tweet it out, share it on Noster, get it on whatever socials you can and get people to bolster it up and replicate it uh, as as I'm freaking yellow out here. Yes, replicate it. Go forth and replicate. I am a replicator uh, <laughs> and, uh, and help Help us uh, bootstrap the Saturday sat market globally, globally, everybody. Anyways, guys, I'm going to wrap up here. Um, finally, I'll, I'll, I will just say, uh, if you need some additional help, uh, if all of the tutorials that are for free on the on the uh, channel uh, aren't enough, of course, go, go check them out. They're all for free. Uh, but if you need some one-on-ones, you can also contact me for that. There's a QR code on the screen that'll take you directly to where you can book me one-on-ones for educational sessions for hardware, software, uh, lightning, nodes, uh, privacy, all that stuff. Uh, you can go check that out. If you're not on the live stream and you're listening to the pod instead, just head to btcsessions.ca. Anyways, with that, I am out. Have yourselves a wonderful day or evening. And I will see you guys next time for your daily session. Hold all the Bitcoin.